97% of our time is spent in these ill-constructed buildings, right? Um, sick building syndrome is real. And of course it's real. We're not supposed to be in these boxes that don't allow for ventilation and for, um, you know, air. And so rewilding can take so many different looks, but basically it's getting back to those things that we've walked away from. We've walked away from our place in nature. We, you know, we spend less than 3% of our time outdoors. Welcome to the Drew Perlman Show. Think of this podcast as the antidote to the fear, the noise, and the talking heads in the news. The show features an entertaining blend of ancient wisdom, empowering ideas, and cutting edge, healthy living science to optimize your health and your life. Okay, so let's dive in and get started. Today's guest is Dr. Katherine Clinton. Dr. Katherine is a licensed naturopathic physician with a focus on gut health, autoimmunity, and psychoneuroimmunology. She is a respected author, speaker, and pediatric health advocate. Dr. Catherine practices in Eugene, Oregon. Welcome to the show, Catherine. Thank you so much, Drew. I am so excited to talk with you today. I was reading about your story, Catherine, and I know that when you were in medical school, you were diagnosed with several autoimmune diseases. Can you just talk us through your healing journey and how that basically has really impacted your work with patients today. Absolutely. Absolutely. At the time when I was diagnosed, so many doctors were saying, oh, this is going to be so great. You're going to help so many people. And, and that's not what I wanted to hear, right? It was my second year in medical school, and I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis, um, a condition that attacks the colon. Then I was diagnosed with um, Hashimoto thyroiditis. And at the same time, I was diagnosed with Lyme disease. So I had kind of a nice little trifecta <laughs> of um, serious conditions. And, and I think, you know, the stress and initiation of medical school kind of um, was the, the trigger, the straw that that broke the camel's back, so to speak. And, and so there I was, I was in the right place to get really, really sick, but I was, I was really sick. Um, you know, I went, ended up in the hospital at one point and just narrowly avoided having my colon removed. And, and I was in, um, I was in a real desperate situation and I was in the right spot because I was going to naturopathic medical school. So, I was able to slowly sort of piece my physical health back together. I was doing lifestyle changes and uh, nutritional support. I was doing supplements. I was doing botanical stuff. I um, did pharmaceuticals. Prednisone steroids were amazing short term. Um, you know, there were so many things that I did to piece my physical health back together and that allowed me to regain the life that I had before I was sick. But there was still a piece um, missing for myself, for my patients. We all had this missing piece of health. And 
it wasn't until years later, working with patients, working with myself, that I began to explore the power of psychoneuroimmunology or how our thoughts really impact our health. And that was um, really powerful to see that and not in a, you know, not in a damning, blaming way, like your thoughts are why you're sick or, you Mm -hmm. know, something like that really in a really empowering way to see how our thoughts and feelings and emotion can be passed down generationally to see how we come into this life with a, a sort of a pattern of how we deal with stress and how much stress and trauma we can take on before um, we start to break down. And that led to so much success with my own health, with my patient's health, with my family's health. But again, there was this piece missing and um, it had always been missing. So it it felt really natural, right? When you, you have something you've never had, you don't necessarily know what you're missing. But I, it did feel um, like I was missing some piece of that. And so... What I did was I really started to look at the research and I was looking at mitochondrial research. And so that opened up a whole nother window of healing, of health, of information, of really like what is our place in the world. And that has been... um, sort of the key that has unlocked so many things. Um, And when you look at mitochondrial research, it starts to get really um, almost spiritual in a way because you're really at the the smallest building blocks um, for health that we have. And you see how they interact with the world and you see that they are really meant to be in this greater ecosystem. And that is really where our health comes from. And the deterioration of both is something that we're seeing at an alarmingly fast rate. Mm -hmm. And so that is something that has been, I guess I would say it's been the passion of my life is really that last piece of the puzzle of, you know, how we really are puzzle pieces. And we've kind of been sitting askew um, for so long that we sometimes don't even notice that um, that we're at constant friction. You know, if you can imagine a little piece of a puzzle that's just sitting right outside the puzzle and we can see where it fits in, but it's not fitting in. It's just slightly askew. Mm, Absolutely. You know, Catherine, you've also written that, you know, and I think this speaks to what you were just getting at, but that the, you've written that the ecosystem we live in holds the power to heal us, let it. Um, As a naturopath, Maybe you can just speak a little bit more about why this outer environment is so interconnected with our inner environment or what you call, you know, our inner terrain. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, our science, our medicine for centuries has been really reductionistic, really mechanistic. And out of need, it's been that way. 
you know, we were exploring the human body and what it means to be human and how all the parts work together. But we have made a misstep by not putting that information back into the bigger context. So when we reduce these truths down in science or in medicine, if we don't put them back into the bigger, greater picture, bigger context, then we lose sight of what it is we're really even talking about. You know, when we talk about our ecosystem, there are so many people, the majority of us actually think that we are sort of outside that ecosystem. And we kind of go back to that like uh, food web (laughs) analogy that we learned in elementary school. And that's how we're all tied together. You know, I depend on these creatures to eat and they depend on the grass and, you know, that kind of, of food web thinking of the ecosystem has led to uh, a dismissal of a whole wealth of knowledge out there. And what do I mean by that? I mean, we can look at what we have learned in the last 20 years about the gut microbiome. And it started out with uh, individual little strains. Okay, this bacteria does this, this bacteria does this. Then we find, oh, wow, it's not bacteria, it's, it's viruses and fungi. And oh, wow, it's not just these individual strains. They are working as communities and as guilds. And so as humans, we have kind of been indoctrinated to in this reductionistic, mechanistic way of thinking about our health, about science, about the way the world works. And when we take a step back and we plug in all these amazing facts that we've learned, and and like I said, I love the amazing facts. You know, mitochondrial research is one of my favorite things to dive down the rabbit hole. But if we don't put that information back into context, we really lose our place in the world. So back to what I was talking about with the microbiome, us as humans, we are a creation of a symbiotic relationship. And this is really clear and easy for people to wrap their head around when we talk about the microbiome, right? Because we, our health is commingled, it's interconnected with these organisms that live symbiotically on our surfaces, surfaces of our skin, the respiratory tract, um, the gut, all of our mucosa, everything has a uh, microbiome. Our blood, I mean, the whole thing is, is connected. And so we can see just from that, that we as humans, as individual beings, are not ending at the barriers of our skin. We really live in a co-created environment. And, and the microbiome is, is a fascinating one, and it's easy an easy example for people to wrap their head around. But I think on a bigger level, the more powerful piece to wrap our head around, and, and the gut microbiome, of course, plays a role in this, but how we are connected to the world around us. And how our biology rewires um, 
you know, resyncs, realigns when our body is exposed to the things that we have adapted to, that we have evolved with over the millennium. So when we talk about um, diet changes, you know, we get very reductionistic. Okay, this diet is good for this and this food is good for that. And really what we're really talking about is a relationship with the food we eat and that our biology depends on the information in that food. Our DNA literally depends on what we're putting in our mouth. Um, and, and of course, that list goes on and on. They depend on the thoughts we think. They depend on um, our connection with the world around us. So when we look at mitochondrial health, um, this is something that's a little harder for people to wrap their head around, but the research around mitochondrial function and health clearly shows us that we are just a little part of an amazing ecosystem and that when we can get out in the sun, when we can get out in nature, like I said, that rewires our biology. And so what do I mean by that? Um, there's a lot of talk these days about grounding and or earthing. And basically what that means is putting our body in contact with the ground, with the earth um, or with a plant. And the research around this shows that that field, um, that electromagnetic field that is provided by the earth, when we come in contact with it, it restructures our intercellular gels so that our mitochondria are making more energy and our cells are making more mitochondria. And, and why do I place so much importance on, on mitochondria? They really are the building blocks of our biology. They are how, you know, we think of them as the power houses of the cell. And that's true. They create energy, but they are also the most sophisticated communication network in our, our body. So they, they aren't just this battery that we've been taught. Right. And, and don't get me wrong. The battery is of huge importance. Um, George Wallace has done amazing research with mitochondrial function and he ties it to, um, every autoimmune condition, almost every chronic disease out there, there's a dip in that mitochondrial voltage. So it is really, really important. But when you start looking at what's happening with the mitochondria, uh, it becomes really paradigm shifting because you start to realize that the things that we've been walking away from for decades are the very things that our biology needs to function, mm. simply put. Yeah, totally. I mean, and and it does seem, Catherine, that we're we're even moving further away from it now because um, you know the world has just become so sterile, so sanitized. Everybody's wearing a mask, um, so we're blocking our you know we're blocking the sun. Um, and I know you've talked a lot about re this whole concept of rewilding which is really fascinating. Maybe Catherine, just talk about what it means to rewild and how do we bring that to, you know, our lives, our families, our communities? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. So it, it gets back to that puzzle piece, right? So if we, we're all these puzzle pieces sitting right next to our perfect fit, but because we're not in connection with the greater ecosystem, it, we're just constantly at friction. So rewilding is really reestablishing those connections. Um, you know, and, and this is random, but I just, my son is in a nature school and um, he just got a note from his teacher saying, you know, this is, um, I can't remember what he said, but my son sings this funny song about chicken nuggets. <laughs> and then he goes and he eats grubs from these rose husks. And the teacher was saying, this really is how we're going to save humanity being able to laugh and have joy and also find sustenance in things that um, we've walked so far away from. So, you know, eating grubs on a daily basis is maybe a little much <laughs> for most of us, but, <laughs> and that's not from me. That's, that's just letting those children lead, you know, they're so much closer to um, the truth mm. and the source and, so rewilding, especially rewilding with our families and letting your kids take the lead, it becomes um, second nature. And so what is rewilding? It's that reconnecting with the world around us. And that means going out into nature. That means putting our hands and our feet in the ground. If there's something that I could encourage um, listeners today to do is spend a week, spend a week each morning going outside, putting your face in, your, in the sun and putting your feet in the dirt or the grass um, or the asphalt, whatever kind of earth you have, it will still transmit those antioxidants. It will still transmit that information that our DNA need to really function and live at ease. So if that's one simple step we can take to rewild ourselves, getting out in that AM sun sets up our pathways, our biological pathways, serotonin gets dumped. That makes us feel energized and creative and happy. And when the sun goes down and the lights are lowered, that turns into melatonin so we can go to sleep. So really, you know, rewilding holds the answers to the majority of um, the complaints that we see in the health realm, you know, not sleeping well, not feeling fatigue, not having vitality. All of these things come from rewilding ourselves, getting out into nature, putting nature inside of our house with plants, um, putting nature inside of our body with, again, with plant food, with, um, you know, I talk a lot. I have a page on Instagram. It's called 30 plants a week. And it's just sort of my own little personal thing to help me um, get a real diversity of plants in my diet, because that's a, a way to rewild ourselves, because that's what our body, that's what our biology is looking for. And when they, when it doesn't receive that information, that plant food, that time in nature, then 
it starts to think that something is amiss and it's, it tries to make up the gap and, and what is amiss really is our place in the world. You know, um, I read something the other day, 97% of our time is spent in these ill constructed buildings, right? Um, sick building syndrome is real. And of course it's real. We're not supposed to be in these boxes that don't allow for ventilation and for, um, you know, air. And so rewilding can take so many different looks, but basically it's getting back to those things that we've walked away from. We've walked away from our place in nature. We, you know, we spend less than 3% of our time outdoors. And, and that's, that's just mind blowing. And when you look at how connected our biology is, you know, our gut microbiome, our gut health is more dependent on the air we breathe than the food we eat, than our genetics, than our ethnicity. Um, it's, it's profound and it's profound because it's all really connected. And we forget that when we start to reduce things down um, and look at things in a me mechan mechanistic way. But it's such a powerful tool, not only for our health, but the health of our communities, the health of our world. Because when we talk about our terrain, you know, Drew, we've talked about the gut microbiome and, and our cells and our mitochondria, but we forget that a lot of our health um, has an energetic component to it, has a safety component to it, has a nervous system component to it. And all of those pieces are so intertwined with our place in our community. And, you know, so many of us nowadays, especially so many of us don't live in a safe world um, for so many reasons. And so when we're looking to our communities for safety and we're not finding it, we have to remember that there's a community out there in the natural world that we can turn to for that same nervous system rewiring, for that same um, communal need. So that's something that's also really fascinating because the interplay between um, our nervous system signaling of safety and danger and how our community um how we fit in our community is so completely um, undervalued and ignored in our medical system. Uh, so, so rewilding is really rewilding the whole picture, um, really getting back to those things that we have evolved with over time. And what are those things? Being in nature, being in the sun, not being in bright light uh, in the middle of the night, having community, having community with nature, having community with other animals, having community with other hearts. Um, the energetic field of the heart is the largest of our body and it has such profound implications for healing, the implications that we can see in research and and ones that we can see um, sort of in quantum theory that 
that are mind blowing, Drew. Mm. It's it's really amazing that our community members can affect our health and that we can affect the health of of our community. Um, and that's really what rewilding is. It's remembering that we are supposed to be out in nature. We are supposed to be eating plants. We are supposed to be sitting by the fires and talking story. Mm. Um, that is something that is completely undervalued in our medical system and our communities. I mean, you look at the last couple of years and, um, to think that we can live a healthy life outside of community is false. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, without question. Yeah. You know, it is so fascinating to me that you're bringing in the energy component here. And I interviewed Roland McCready months ago on the show, and we talked a lot about the energy of the heart. Catherine, is, is heart math a part of your work? Because it sounds like you're going there. Yes, I'm there. <laughs> I love, I love heart math. I've been trained. I use it um, with my, my family and my patients. Uh, and, and I actually got into it um, for myself and my family. It was just really, I was really drawn to a way of being mindful that, that really got into heart coherence. And Drew, it is, as like you know, it is it is incredibly powerful. And when we start to look at the ripple implications of heart coherence, um, it's it is mind blowing. It is another level. I mean, we could talk for ooh, days on on heart coherence and and our heart's energetic field matched with the energetic field of the earth and. What they're doing at HeartMath is is amazing, um, and of course they're not getting tons of funding and uh, press, but they are doing amazing stuff at HeartMath. So yeah, I would encourage all the listeners to to Google HeartMath, to Google a heart coherence um, activity. That's something that I do with myself and my patients. You can do these exercises and see exactly what we're talking about here, Drew. You can see how aligning your nervous system with feelings of love and safety has a ripple effect. You can see that, especially again, with children, with animals. Of course, this works with animals and it works the same way, except you know, they don't talk, right? <laughs> but you can, um, right. Like, uh, we've got goats and my dog likes to chase the goats. And, um, so we've been working with him to not do that because the goats get scared and calming him down using heart coherence is the single best, uh, I'm not sure training tool, mm that I have, um, because that's what we all are looking for. All of us animals and beings on this earth are looking for that community safety, that, that love, that, um, appreciation, that, that community, that safety, that community around the fire talking story. We, we are in desperate need of that. And many of us don't know, you know, myself included, 
when I had pieced back the physical part of my health and didn't have the symptoms, that's what we think of as health, right? Well, okay, you're not having ulcerative colitis symptoms, Hashimoto's thyroiditis, you're doing great, Lyme disease, you don't have the symptoms, so you're done. Your physical body's pieced back together. But so many of us reach that point and we think, okay, great, you know, I can go to work and do all the physical things, but there's this piece that isn't being addressed. And when we start to talk about heart coherence and electrical fields and quantum healing and these aspects of health that aren't in front of our eyes, many of us don't know that that's the piece we've been missing and craving sometimes our entire lives. Um, you know, I remember having these feelings as a kid growing up, you know, I'm dating myself, but we are the world was big when I was in elementary school and it was, um, it, it was, I don't, I can't think of the right word. Everything I'm thinking of is a little too drastic, uh -huh. <laughs> but it was, um, <laughs> it was frightening and it, it, it took my nervous system out of that community um, feeling, you know, there was always this sort of feeling of like, where is that safety? Where is that comfort? Where is that, that puzzle piece that I am? And where's that perfect fit? And the perfect fit doesn't mean that we have a perfect life. It just means that we're living in the world that we've evolved in over millennia. And that means being in nature. And that means eating plants. I, I'm not vegan, so it's not, I'm not a big proponent of, of that per se. I think it, it all has a place. If you're vegan, that's great. But I mean that we should be eating mostly plants because that's how we have evolved <clears throat> on this earth, you know, eating seafood. We evolved forever by waterways. So eating things that have omega-3 fatty acids in them play a huge role in how our biology is working, what our inflammation is doing. Again, it's not because, you know, we found the secret component in omega-3 fatty acids and this is the key thing. No. These are all just pieces of information that we have evolved with since the beginning. And now we've steadily marched away from that. Our diet doesn't look anything like it did before. Our communities don't look anything like they did. Our, um, you know, our lifestyle, our exercise, our connection with nature, all of these things we've steadily walked away from. You know, now we're indoors 97% of the time in these sick, moldy, toxic buildings looking at our screens and we wonder why we're not thriving. Um, and, and the piece of that, too, is that interconnection goes both ways. So what we are experiencing as a species, as a human species, in the collapse of our ecosystem around us is the same thing we're experiencing as our human health collapsing. They are one in the same. It is the same ecosystem that is collapsing. 
And for our health to really be maintained, we have to maintain the health of the earth around us, of the plants, of the animals, of our communities. All of these things are intimately interwoven into what it means to be healthy. So I think that's a piece that that we we forget about. Um, we forget that if the world isn't healthy, we can't be healthy. And even more powerful, if we aren't healthy as humans, the world can't be healthy. It's really that intimate of a connection. And that's what we're seeing now in the world around us. I mean, in the next couple of decades, we have over a million, over a million plant and animal species set to go extinct. And that state of devastation, that state of collapse is what we are seeing across the board in our health, in the health of the planet, again, the health of our communities, if you take a look. Um, and, and of course, in the last couple of years, but mm. even before the pandemic and the splintering and isolation, even before that, our communities had such um, division and, and separation. Um, even within the family unit, if you look at how much time we're spending being truly present with our partners, with our children, um, with our families, we're missing the boat. And yeah. the boat has left the dock and we don't have a lot of time. Um, and, and that's not meant to be a downer. That's meant to be a empowering uh, statement because we do have that power to heal both ourselves and the world around us. And that power comes from our relationship with yeah. nothing else. Well, yeah, nothing else is going to fix it. Well, you know, Catherine, it's like when, when Bruce Lipton was on the show, I mean, he was speaking about the how we're in the midst of the sixth mass extinction. And and when you put, put it in those terms, Catherine, you know, where you say one million plants and animals species are set to go extinct in the next dec two decades, I mean, that is just mind boggling. And it's like and it's really that question of what kind of world are we are we giving to our children and our children's children, it's going to be vastly different. And, you know, the hope is that people are going to open their eyes and just comprehend some of the words of what you said. But my question, Catherine, is it, you know, is, can we still turn things around for people that are, that are listening right now? Is there still hope that we can, we can turn this ship around? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, there is hope because that's how this system works. It is interconnected. So what we do has an immediate and a direct impact on the world around us. And, you know, Drew, I'm trying not to get too much into the quantum realm because that's a whole, you know, we, that's a whole nother interview. But we aren't just connected at this time. So what we do right now has ripple effects for generations and there is real power to the knowledge that, um, you know, when we look at string theory and, and quantum theory and looking at the connection that we hold in this universe, in this space, 
our ability to change a paradigm, to change a worldview, is, has never been greater. It has never been greater. We talk, and, and we did today, talked about the, the deficits and, and cons of being on our screens, but we haven't talked about how this can unite us all in a forward-thinking, uh, paradigm-shifting movement. And I feel it. To tell you the truth, Drew, I feel it. I feel that we are at a tipping point. We're kind of at that rock bottom stage. And I feel that swell, you know, that swell that comes before the wave of change. And Drew, we are the wave of change. And the change we make today in our life, in our heart, it ripples out. It ripples out to our families. It ripples out to our the animals in our lives, and that has a real ripple effect across our communities, across our societies, across our countries, and our globe. And so this stuff we've been talking about is heavy, and it's heavy because it's filled with power. We mm. got here together, and we can get out of this together. And it doesn't take an immense amount of time. It doesn't take um, waiting for big corporations and big governments to get involved. We, the people, can make this change today. Beautiful, beautiful. Catherine, a couple final questions here for anybody listening right now who's feeling a little stuck and powerless and maybe even hopeless about their life and their future. What might be one thing that they could do if, if, you, if you just had to boil down it to one thing that they could do today to take their life in a new direction? I know I'm putting you on the spot. <laughs> true. One thing. <laughs> I, I immediately come up with three. Um, <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> so, I, you know, I'm a huge fan of that reconnecting with nature. So when we're feeling hopeless and uh, overwhelmed and frustrated at our lack of agency in a, in a big, huge world, connecting with nature, going outside, getting that kiss on the face with the sunshine and that hug on our feet from the ground can be life-changing. Doing that for three or four days in a row can really change our paradigm, our perspective. But if I had to boil it down to one, um, I would say I would love everyone to check out a heart coherence exercise and you can search engine that. And if we have a minute, Drew, I could lead us all on a little heart coherence exercise so that all of us can leave this talk with that centered heart energy of hope and healing. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> So wherever you are, we're just going to relax and close our eyes. And we're going to take some deep breaths in through the nose, out through the mouth. We're not going to worry about the count in and out. We're going to think about nice, deep breathing, whatever's comfortable for us. We're going to take some nice deep breaths, scanning our body for any type of tension or stress. And we're going to take a nice deep breath and let that tension go. 
Now let those shoulders fall. Now let the tension in the chest, in the tummy, let all of that tension just release with the breath. Now we're going to continue that nice deep breathing, but we're going to bring our focus into our physical heart center. We're going to bring that breath. Imagine that breath filling that heart center. Let's try a few breaths this way. Inhale. And exhale. Right into that heart center. Let's try one more breath. Nice and slow. We're going to continue with that slow, calm breathing into our heart center. But this time, we're going to match that with a feeling of love, a feeling of gratitude, a feeling of appreciation. And this can be whatever makes you feel that way. It can be a plan for the future. It can be a memory. It can be an accomplishment that you had. I love to think of when my kids were younger and they would wrap their arms and legs around me in those big bear hugs. Um, sometimes I think of laying on a rock, a warm rock after getting out of a cold stream in the summer and soaking that love up from the sun. Whatever it is that brings you a feeling of peace and love and gratitude, take that feeling and remember, we want to feel that. So we don't want to just hold it in our head. We want to actually feel those feelings as we breathe into that heart center. Let's try two more breaths, really holding that feeling of love, joy, gratitude. Nice deep breathing. And let's take one more breath. Wow. So that, I feel really, really that's yeah. beautiful. That was, you've got the most relaxing voice ever, I think. That was just, that was amazing. <laughs> I'm sorry, did you, were you going to go, were you going to say something else? I'm sorry to cut you off. No, I was just going to say that that is the simplest of simple heart coherence exercises. There's longer, more detailed ones. But for everyone now listening and experiencing that shift, that shift took very little time. And that shift is our hope. That is our power. So mm -hmm. that's what I'd like to remind people of today. Beautiful. That is so beautiful. Um, Catherine, my final question here. If you had the opportunity to travel back in time 40 years or so, what words of wisdom might your current self share with your younger self? Oh, yeah, absolutely. My current self would say, oh, you sweet little girl, take it easy. Be easy on yourself. Everything you think that is your fault and your doing is... Um, not be gentle on yourself. That's what I would say. I would say love yourself and be gentle on yourself. Less worry, um, more love. I was I was one of those kids that was in the uh, nurse's office all the time with the 
the hurt tummy and it wasn't um, a physical thing. It was, I was stressed out being in school. Mm. Uh, we had corporal punishment back then. Again, I'm dating myself, but, but yeah, I would say that to, to my, my four or five year old self, I would say this, we've got a long ride here, my love. So be gentle with yourself. Mm, wonderful. Catherine, what's the best way for people to find you and learn more about your work? Perfect. Um, well, as you know, Drew, I'm active on Instagram and Facebook. I'm Dr. Catherine Clinton, and you can find me on my website at drcatherineclinton.com as well. Catherine, thank you so much. This was, this was so much fun. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for having me on today, Drew. I appreciate it. And thank you for everyone out there who joined us and listened today. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to The Drew Perlman Show. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. In the words of Mark Twain, 20 years from now, you will be more disappointed by the things you didn't do than the things you did do. So throw off the bow lines, sail away from the safe harbor, and catch the trade winds in your sails. Explore, dream, discover, and stay well, everyone.